We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's talk missed opportunities. Oh, it's about to get so. We all this show was built around the premise of we want to take the conversations that you and I have, yes, and let everybody else kind of get like people are saying, like, oh, I'd love to be a fly in the in the you know on the wall. In the wall, we're letting you all be those, right? And Sean just randomly texted me the other day. He's like, "What are the three biggest missed opportunities?" I'm like, "Well, okay, of." my life like should i you know like of notre dame in general like bk and so we kind of oh. talked a little bit about, about both and and um and then oh. we had a question yesterday in the show yeah yeah which was the question which was a great question was which game would have had the bigger impact in the tra- trajectory of the notre dame program yeah bc in 93 yeah. Or USC in 05. And, and I kind of came down to it. That I, I don't think either would have necessarily had a huge change in the trajectory of the program. I think we would have had a different, you know, would have given Lou one more title, but I don't think what happened next would have happened next would have yeah. changed yeah. what happened. Would have What happened next would have still happened, you know, because there were some inherent flaws. The administration was still going to be against him. Against him yeah. Now, the only yeah. thing that may have changed is he may have retired earlier. Somebody in the in the chat yesterday mentioned that, like, you know, he might have stepped away after that year, you know, because of, you know, his health problems, his wife's health problems, all those other kind of things. And, and so, you know, but but it, it doesn't it, it would have made a great era even greater, but I don't think it changes what came next. Same thing in 05. Like, I don't think that they would have won a title that year. We could debate if they would or wouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still don't think that they would have, even if they beat USC. And I think Charlie still would have been Charlie. And ultimately, his tenure would have ended in failure. I think that that neither changed that. I do, however, and this kind of got us into a conversation about the Brian Kelly era. It would have been interesting to see how that next recruiting class would have been impacted, though. In, in 05? Yeah. Well... The the thing was is like they had a top five class in 06. And then, you know, the 07 class, because they had, I mean, that was the class they had like Sam Young. They had that great O-line class with like Sam Young, Dan Wenger, Matt Carrier fell. Like they had some pretty good players there. Maybe they'd have got some better skill players, you know, because they got like 
who was the one cat they got? I want to say like not Robbie. Son, I forget his name. Robbie Jackson. That wasn't it. I'm trying to remember who it was. You but know, then they saying that Brady Quinn is the quarterback that ends USC's sure winning streak. But but even off that, they still got Jimmy Clausen, yeah. who was you yeah. know at the time yeah. was considered the LeBron James of uh, high school football. I mean that's what yeah. people called him. Yeah. You know that 07 class ended up getting them, which came after the 06 season, got them Golden Tate, Duval Kamar. Duval Kamar is a five star receiver. They got Mike Ragone, five star yeah. receiver. Right. You know, maybe it would have helped them get better defensive players, but in 06, they signed Dar- – we 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 were talking uh, recently about uh, Notre Dame getting Micah Bell and Christian Gray and how they're both top 100 players. Right. And he said the last time Notre Dame signed two corners that were both ranked in the top 100 by at least one service was the 2006 class, which got put together during the 05 run. Yeah. So, I mean, they got Darren Walls and Rayshon McNeil, right? I mean, so they were getting – you know, his 08 class, which came after the 07 season, was the number two ranked class in the country. They got Michael Floyd, Deion Walker, Dane Christ, Mike, you know, uh, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, you know, they got some dudes. So it's like, I still think Charlie's fundamental, fundamental failures were still going to shine through. Come through. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the perception maybe of the program changes. Big picture, the perception may have changed. Yeah. But overall, I think the trajectory is still the same. Where I think you could really have a conversation, and there's a, it ended up being a lot longer list than three, are the missed opportunities that Notre Dame had the last 10-plus years of the Brian Kelly tenure. Oh, there are plenty. Where if they could have done this differently, that differently, won this game. And we're not even talking about if you fire, if you would have fired Brian Van Gorder, if you could take this staff and put on that team. We're just talking about those teams how the 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 perception of this football program would be so much different. And then next week we're going to talk about what are the things that Marcus Freeman needs to do and yeah. what are the, the 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 opportunities that he's going to be presented the next 2 years and what he needs to do beyond just the the easy option of win all the games. Oh sure, right? But there's a little bit more to it than that. Right. You know, but we'll talk about that next week. But this week, we're going to take a little bit of a trip down memory lane and just kind of play some hypothetical, Sean. And and that is, what would have happened if dot, dot, dot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And so we've kind of gone through and we've picked some games that we want to discuss. And there's a couple more, Sean, that popped into my head that I want to bring up as we're as we're talking. Okay. And and obviously, look, obviously, Bama 2012, I think is where you have to start. Because here's the thing. We have to. We do. <laughs> and and we'll only talk about the game because that would be sad and pitiful and, and and make us, you know, want to cry. But that game was huge for college football. I'll, yes. I'll get into that. But if you go, you, yeah, you no, go no, no. Ahead. Go ahead. Explain that because yeah. I'm going to go in a different direction. College football. I don't know if a lot of people recognized, like, the people that before Brian Kelly got the job, the people that Notre Dame were rumored to have given the job to or spoken to, offered it at least offered it to unofficially. Yeah. Part of that ESPN crew that was covering that game was Urban Meyer. And I'll never forget, Urban Meyer, post-game, said, I stood on the sidelines and I watched. And he said, I saw where other teams have to get to in order to compete. Mm -hmm. And then he takes the Ohio State job. And he had it in his mind. Okay, because he talked about the trenches. He was like, yo, this game, he was like, you watch these two teams walk on the field, and he made it about more than just scheme. He made it about, yo, nutrition, strength and conditioning. Things have changed. College football, Nick Saban has taken that step in college football that everyone else has yet to catch up to. And I think – that's when you start to see a lot of other teams understand, even Notre Dame eventually understanding the sure. importance of strength and conditioning. Right. In the trenches. Of course, it took him a long time yeah. to figure that out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Here's the intro. Here, that's all true, and 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 because when Ohio State, because you know, so you look at what Ohio State. Job, was it right after that game? Or no, no, that was actually his first year at Ohio State. Was 2012. Okay. But I do I, I I I don't remember him in the coverage. I don't didn't watch the coverage of that game. But um, he he that was his first year at Ohio State, and they were a little different. I mean, they were Braxton Miller and running around and you know running that old Alex Smith Utah offense, and and I think that that still had an impact on him because I, I do think he like David Shaw does for things like that. I do think he was part of the coverage, but he actually was in his first year at Ohio State. And then you fast forward two years ago, two years later when Ohio State played Bama in the playoff and and how they went out and just physically imposed their will on that football team. Mm-hmm. And to your point, that's what Ohio State became known for is, yeah. you know, they're going to they're going to impose their will on you in the trenches. Yeah. And and sort of beat Bama at their own game. And it helped that they had, you know, Blake Sims at quarterback that was not one of the better quarterbacks that oh, Alabama had. And their well. overall talent level is really good, but not quite as good as it was going to be the next couple of years. For me, Sean, that game is interesting because I have always asked myself if they won that game, is Brian Kelly even Notre Dame's head coach the next year? Oh, that's a good question. 
That's a good question. Because the recruiting class they put together that year was pretty awesome. And it finished third. You know, you you talking about you got Malik Zaire, you got Greg Bryant, you got Torian Folston, Will Fuller, Torrey Hunter, Corey Robinson, yeah. Durham Smythe. Uh, I mean, your offensive line class was unreal. McGlinchey, Steve Elmer, Hunter Biven, Colin McGovern, John Montalus, defensive. You got Eddie Vanderdose. You got Isaac Rochelle, uh, linebacker. You got Jalen Smith. You got Doug Randolph, who didn't pan out, but he was a very highly ranked recruit that they that they I believe they flipped from Stanford. You know, Michael Deeb, you got Cole Luke was a top-ranked cornerback coming out. Yeah. Uh, Drew Tranquil, I believe, was part of that class as well uh, as a safety. So, or was oh, no, Luke Drew was four, Drew was oh, 14. Excuse me, Drew was 14. Yeah. 13, they got Max Redfield. Yes. Who's a five-star. Yeah. And got him in January. So, I mean, you look at that class and you're like, man, that was – they. so, like, if they win beat Bama, one of two things happens. One – they all of a sudden become an, a, 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 an offense or a recruiting juggernaut, even beyond what they did. And, but number two, more importantly is what if, do, do you really think, cause like, what have I said for years, Sean, and you've, you've, you and I've been on the same page on this. Brian Kelly wanted out of Notre Dame for years. Multiple times, right? Yeah. For years. Yeah. He wanted out of Notre Dame. Yeah. It's just, there was never, um there was never, the team that was going to take him, right? I had a conversation with this about somebody yesterday. Yeah. Would if he beats Bama, does does somebody take him? Yeah. Probably. At that point, they definitely probably take him, and it will probably be in the NFL. It would be very interesting is going back and remembering the landscape. Who would have been the the, the uh, successor? That would have been very interesting at that time. Like if Notre Dame wins and he goes to the NFL, right? Who comes to take his place? Right. Yeah, because there's two ways to look at it, right? Yeah. The 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 one one way to look at it is, well, they won, so now like you got to follow in the footsteps of a guy that won a title. <laughs> the other is, hey, they prove they can win. I want to go there and win and build my own legacy, yeah. right? So, you know, do they go back to for Stoops and Ferenc again? You know, like, you know, who they who they offered the job to before Kelly? I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting scenario to consider. Yeah. So they didn't win that game. So let's move well, on. Because of the difference and disparity and talent and other things. It was a combination it of two things really, to me. It was a, a missed opportunity, but it wasn't really. Right. I I will still contend that that game should have been much more competitive than it was. And as you go back and you talk to former players, Bama was the better team, but Manti was not Manti that game. You know, and I've talked to some former players like we all knew what was happening. Like that was a major, like we were not locked in for that game. And then of course, you know, Kelly's interviewing for another, once again, a big game that Brian Kelly doesn't get his team mentally ready for and not, not the fact that he didn't know that that was going to be a problem for his football team. The whole situation was probably going to be problems for his football team. Just another example of that. But yeah. I don't know if they would have beat Bama. Maybe they don't, but mm. that, that should have been a competitive football game in my opinion. When, it should look competitive it, it, after the first drive. Yeah. Like I, I, when they came out and stopped them, I was like, "Oh, yeah," because that's what I was worried about, right? right. The trenches. I'm worried about right. the trenches. I'm worried yeah. about Eddie Lacy in the running game. And see, but see, I, and that's the thing is, I wasn't worried about that. And if you go back and watch the game, the Notre Dame D line played really well that game. 
I mean, Tuit, Nix, and Cap until he got hurt were playing really well. I mean, how many times did Manti or Zeke or Dan Fox have a chance to make a tackle in like just in the hole yeah. at or behind the line of scrimmage? The D line did their job and they were just whiffing. And and so it's like, but that's not who they were. Like, like they weren't that team that missed those tackles in the regular season. That yeah. was my point. They were not the team we saw against Stanford. They were not the team we saw against Oklahoma. They were not the team, you know what I mean? And now I don't know if they'd have beat Bama, but it shouldn't have been like that. It was the other stuff to me that led to that, in my view. But we'll never know. But it's like, as at the time, you just think, well, Bama's way better. But then you see the pattern, right? And so am I to believe the same thing about Miami 17? Ah, they're just way better than Notre Dame. Or were they just better prepared mentally yeah. that day? So, you know, you go on to 2013, Sean, any games from 2013? I there, There's a, there's a, you know, like you could mention, we'll, we'll try to focus, still focus on like the ones that could have really changed the trajectory of, of, a, of a game, not so much just a season. You know, 2013, you could say, you know, what if they beat Oklahoma or Pitt, whatever. But that was a flawed Notre Dame team. Really was. 2014. Yes. A lot of people will say Florida State. As they should. Mm -hmm. As they should. Is that, however, the game that you would point to in 2014 as as that? Because I I actually don't. 2014 has a lot – it's a bunch of games I can choose from in 2014 that were painful, that were big opportunities. Because, again, we're talking about what was – and when we talk about missed opportunity, it's it's an opportunity that then, you know, you build off that. The 2014 right? season, uh, the Florida State game, because of what it meant nationally, you know, two highly ranked teams, Notre Dame at Florida State, Jameis Winston, their win streak, with an opportunity to end that, get probably into the top three of the rankings. And we know how the season played out with injuries. But that team healthy with that win mm-hmm. would have made a statement. Yes. That would have been a statement win. And I think the way they competed, I think even coming out of that game, people have respect like, oh, Okay, because we expect the Florida State to put up numbers, put up points, and win comfortably. Notre Dame controlled the majority of that game. Mm-hmm. They controlled the majority of that game. And then what we came to learn as the season played out is that that Florida State team really wasn't as good as the previous two Florida State teams had been. You know, they were young. They did have Dalvin Cook. They came on. They ended up making it to the Rose Bowl, but then they get crushed in the Rose Bowl. So they really weren't as good as we thought they were. But at that point, it would have been a huge win. The Arizona State game could be a game because Arizona State was still at that point. The season was redeemable at that point. Mm-hmm. You win that Arizona State game and you get on a roll and then you finish up with the Stanford, I mean, with the uh, a better performance at USC. Right. That's the game I, w- I wanted to mention. But, you know, that 14 season just went off the rails. You know, for me personally, the Florida State game, 
is is the one I would probably right point to. But I know you could probably bring up Stanford. No, there's one game because again, when I look at this, and, and this part of the fun of this, and and this is why we didn't set like terms of it has to be this kind of game because then it's more fun. Is how do you look at it? Like, what do you perceive as the missed opportunity? Yeah. For me, when I look at it, I try to look at games, and that's what kind of led to you know the, the things that we discussed earlier is like 05 USC and 93 BC were missed opportunities for those seasons. Right. Those seasons would have been perceived way different yes. if those games go differently, but I don't think they necessarily changed the trajectory of your program. The games that I wanted to for, – again, Sean, we're, we're both coming to this however we want. That's part mm-hmm. of the fun of it. Right. For me, it was what game changes the direction of that team. And I don't know if the Florida State game necessarily had as had as much of an impact because I kind of look at that as, as very similar to how the Oklahoma game was in, in – or excuse me, the uh, Georgia game was in 17. Like, hey, we lost that, but we showed we belong here. Yeah. To me, it's more of – the 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 Arizona State game to me is that okay. game because here's how I feel about that if they I mean they they outplayed Arizona State in so many different ways I mean they were down 34 to 3 <laughs> at one point and whenever it had that pump fake and it hit uh, Amir Carlisle over the top for the touchdown it was like it was 34 31 yeah and think about that comeback and then of course they ran a wheel route in the next play and Brian Van Gorder tried to cover it with Sheldon Day <clears throat> <laughs> so um you know like to me if if they don't turn the ball over 75 what, what was the turnover total of that game sean 75 didn't they turn it over 75 times that game i think yeah, that's what yeah. it felt like yeah. uh if they go out down and beat that that was a top 20 arizona state team their name should have beat them convincingly they weren't injured that game they weren't beat up that game they just handed that game they were not i'm, I'm shocker sean i know you're Brace yourself. This is going to surprise you that I'm going to say this. Okay? Because I've never said this before, sarcastically. They weren't mentally prepared to play the game that day. They were not focused. They were not a focused football team. They were doing stupid mistakes, blown coverages, missed tackles, dumb interceptions and turnovers that you're like, this team wasn't emotionally and mentally ready to play. I truly believe if they win that game, they beat Northwestern the next week, they beat Louisville. I still think they would have lost to USC. That USC team in, in 2016, by the end of the year, was playing at an incredibly high level. That was the team that went on to beat Penn, a really good Penn State team in the Rose Bowl. That was a heck of a receiving court. Yes, yeah. and and Sam Darnold was hot. I mean, that team was really good. They beat a really – I mean, Washington went to the playoffs that year, and their only loss was at home by two touchdowns to USC late in right. the year. And and so I felt like that because of all the injuries, you know, like beating Arizona State doesn't mean that Drew Tranquil doesn't get hurt the next week, or it means doesn't mean Sheldon Day doesn't get hurt. That's right. not how it works, right? right? They still would have had the injuries, but I do think a, a mentally tough team would have been more competitive that game. Yeah. Where if they'd have lost, maybe it was like 35-24, you know, something like that. And then we would all have been more understanding of that loss because USC was red hot and you were beat up. Yeah, and then you're ten and two, and then you go into the postseason, and you know you handle your business in a bowl game. And all of a sudden, you're talking about, you know, a, an eleven and two football team. Yeah, you know, coming two years after you just went to the national to play for the national championship. Yeah, right. And then the momentum that builds for you into 2015. So I think there are some games there, but I think at the end of the day, it wouldn't have had a huge, huge impact because of the injuries. I still think they would have lost to USC. 
But I think if there was one game that could have had a bigger impact, because then you ask yourself, what kind of recruiting class could you have put together if you didn't just completely implode? If because you because the thing is, Sean, and there you Notre Dame actually had a lot of momentum recruiting wise and perception wise after the Florida State game. A lot of people didn't think they belonged on the field that day. Right. They showed they could compete. Yeah. It was all gone though two weeks later when you go to Arizona State. It's all gone. Uh now the Florida State game looks like a fluke. Right. You know, and and As so to me so. <laughs> right. The right. Yeah. The perception changed in that game. 2015 to me, there, there's there's two seasons more than any other where those missed opportunities reign supreme to me. 15 and 17. Let's move okay. to 15. Okay. What was the missed opportunity you most hang your hat on? I mean, there's there's really two, right? I mean, we can agree on that, right? There's two. Yeah. Clemson and, and Stanford. Of those two, which was biggest? Probably the Clemson game. Uh, the Clemson game changes the trajectory of college football. Two, yes, two programs, programs went in a different direction that day. Absolutely, absolutely. And you get a chance to probably redeem yourself against Alabama in the championship game. And that we have spoken to players on that team that felt like they offensively could have gone toe-to-toe with that Bama team offensively. Right. And it just would have been a matter of who got the ball last. Right. So would have looked exactly like the Clemson-Alabama Clemson, title. Alabama game. <laughs> right. So now the trajectory that Clemson went on, Notre Dame, do they go on that tra- trajectory? Right. After that? Because we've talked about this. Notre Dame had out-recruited Clemson for the five classes beforehand. Yeah. They had more guys drafted in the first three rounds from that team – that played on that team, not like a freshman who didn't play that eventually became a first round, but guys yeah. that played on that team, Notre Dame had more first, second, and third round picks on that roster than Clemson had. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that game without a doubt. Can I say one more thing? Yep. That was also the game where Notre Dame had the smallest dis- discrepancy at quarterback in the big games compared to every other one that we're going to talk about. And that was the backup plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even then, Deshaun Kaiser was the closest gap to Notre Dame's yeah. had to a great quarter, other team's great quarterback than all the other games we're going to discuss. Yeah. 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 Because Deshaun was still Playing ascending. Really right. You know, was that that was his first season as a full time starter? Correct. Right? It was only his yeah. third start, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He started he against like UMass ascending. and Georgia Tech. Yeah. That's it before yeah. the Clemson game. Yeah. So that was probably his confidence game. Like, right. Okay, man, we. We can go and then they ended up beating. Was that they ended up beating Louisville that year, right? Uh, 15. Was that 15? No. They beat or 16. No. It was either 15 or 16. They played Louisville and beat Lamar Jackson. Mm, who oh, Clemson. Oh, yeah, Clemson. Clemson. Yes, Clemson. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah they beat Lamar. They beat Lamar in 16 and 17. 17, yeah, yeah, 16 and 17. And the 16 win was even bigger because Clemson Louisville was that was the year Lamar won the Heisman, right. And he, right. he he was better that year because his team was better. Right. He was a one-man wrecking crew in 17. I mean, he lost a lot of good players in that 16 team. But, yes, it was 16 and 17 that they beat They beat Louisville. So, yeah, you, you look at the impact that that game had on college football in general. And, um, you know, for obvious reasons, yep. you know, we wish, you know, most people would say, man, if – 
you know, if eight doesn't get hurt the week before. Sure. But I mean, because it was like three, it was like three weeks before. Oh, yeah. Like they had time. time. Yeah. Even with even with 14, like you should have won. Yeah. There's no doubt you went with Malik. There's no doubt you went with Malik. I've said that a million times. Yeah. But you still shouldn't. You didn't lose because of Deshaun per se, you know, because like think about it. Clemson goes up seven nothing. You get the ball back and you shank a punt. Give them a short field. They go up fourteen nothing. Yeah. You come out of halftime. You fumble, kick off inside your own ten, and it leads to another score. You know, I mean, you you Deshaun has uh, Alizé Mack running wide open down the seam, and he completely misses him and throws an incomplete deep ball to Corey Robinson on a forward. If if he reads that out, he should bang that backside seam route, and it's a touch walk in touchdown for Alizé. You went for two too early. I mean, yeah. you had. And still, with all you, that, you fumbled going into the end zone. Yes. Oh, I forgot about the Chris <laughs> Brown fumble. You fumbled. So you you fumbled coming out of the end zone. You fumbled going into the end zone. You shanked the punt that gave them like a twenty-five yard scoring drive. And with all that, Notre Dame is a two-point conversion away from being tied. Right. And if they tie that game, they go into overtime and win. They win because they had they all, have the all the momentum. They have all Correct. the momentum. Correct. Correct. And like you said. That 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 game arguably is the biggest missed opportunity of them all. I, I think there's one other. There's Absolutely. one other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one other that's going to come. I think two seasons later, if it's yeah. a game that we're, it's the same game we're talking about. Yeah. But to me, that game sends Notre Dame off in a different tra- trajectory. But I don't know if Clemson ever becomes Clemson after that game because they don't play for the championship. Right. They don't get that excitement as a program that hey, we can beat anybody that they got from that game. And, you know, I, I don't know if they become what they become. I think they still have been really good, yeah. but I don't know if they become what they become. And that's that's the interesting thing about, you know, because do they, you know, part of the success they had that year eventually led to them getting Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. Now, do they get Trevor Lawrence. That's you know what key. I mean? Like, that's yeah. the thing is if they don't become that program, does Trevor go there? Or does he go to Georgia or, so, yeah. you know, somewhere else, right? Yeah. And so those are all part of it. Like, cause I, and I also feel like they probably still make the playoff, even if they lose to Stanford, if they beat Clemson, because it would have been a, you know, a barn burner to a top five team on the road, your resume, you still would have had a better resume than Michigan state mm-hmm. that year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you, you would have knocked Clemson out, right. Most likely because you beat them at your place. Yeah. So and and again, we you and I have felt that that fifteen team could have played with a lot of different people, and you know, and then there are some injuries that happened that I don't think happen if they are in the playoff. And one being the injury that Sheldon Day sustained in bowl prep. Right. I don't know if that's one that happens. Right. In that instance, so it's a very it's a, that game to me is very intriguing, Sean, because you and I have said for a long time that was Notre Dame's. Just looking at the roster, forget what was on the sideline as far as coaching. Yeah. That roster right there was as good as any roster in college football that year. That was his peak. That was that was his program at his peak. And it probably hurt him the most because he probably felt like this is my curtain call. For someone that was looking to leave, that 15 team was probably his curtain call. Let me win and let me get out of here. Right? Which Which kind of yields to what we've heard about Tori Moll in that locker room during the 16 season, that right. led to that 16 season, coming off of the disappointment of the 15 season. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. 
It's yeah. very interesting because somebody just said Clemson would have become Clemson. Clemson had been Clemson before. No, they hadn't. No. They had not. I mean, the best they had done was 10 and three a couple years before they beat Ohio State in the bowl game. You know, the yeah. year before they were 10 and three the year before. Yeah, Florida State was yeah. still dominating the conference, the right. ACC, up right. to that point. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, you know, Clemson winning that game, they beat Louisville by three the week before, or two weeks before, right? Yeah. And a bye. Barely beat Louisville. Barely beat Louisville. They beat Florida State, and if I remember correctly, that year Florida State they beat Florida State twenty three thirteen, and I believe they also barely beat South Carolina that year. Yeah, they had not beaten those two teams in a while. No, because that was you know because when Spurrier was that they had beaten South Carolina the year before at home. They hadn't beat South Carolina out South South Carolina in a while because remember Spurrier dominated Clemson. I mean, dominated Clemson in his tenure. And they had beaten – no, they lost a close game to Florida State the year before because Deshaun played as a freshman in right. that game. 23-17, right. That was one of the games that Jameis was suspended. Right. And he did not play in that game right. because of the on-campus incident. And mm-hmm. they still lost, ended up losing, you know, that game. You can say it, but Jameis robbed some, stole some crab legs. You can say it, and then when he went out and you know had the other thing that that happened, you know that yeah. he was accused of. It was a, you know. So the point, your point is, Florida State was. It wasn't just like Jameis missed because of an injury. No, there's a lot of distractions going on at Florida State, and they still went out. And they still out from one without him. Right, right. You know, in that previous season, so Florida State came into that season still being right. The king of the ACC, so right. no, Clemson hadn't established, had not established. Yeah, that. and and do they have the yeah, confidence? It's it's a lot like Sean the Notre Dame beating Stanford in 2012. Does Notre Dame, forget? Does Notre Dame go 11 and one in 2012 if they don't beat Stanford? Do they even go 10 and two? Because yeah. that win gave them the confidence that hey, we are not that program anymore. Exactly. And and exactly. and the Notre Dame win was that for Clemson, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Do they beat Florida State that year? Do they beat South Carolina that year? They 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 didn't punish South Carolina. Yeah. They had a battle with North Carolina in the ACC title game. Remember that? Mar- that was a Marquise Williams led North Carolina team mm-hmm. that year. So to me, Sean, I don't I don't know if Clemson becomes Clemson in that regard. I really don't. Yeah, but I definitely know this. It would have been a big boost for Notre Dame. Absolutely, it, it would have, in my Absolutely. opinion. It would have. So let's talk. Let's talk 2017, Sean. <laughs> do we have to? We do. That might be one of the most frustrating seasons. Because I'll say this: I think the 2015 team was Notre Dame's best roster. Yes. I think 2017 was Notre Dame's best chance to win a title. And here's why I'll say that. Mm. You. Part of winning a title is also what's around you. Facts. And yeah. when I look at like the team that won the title that year, that was not a great Bama team. It, it wasn't. They had a great defense, but that was not a great Bama team. We're talking about Bama lost 26 to 14 at, to Auburn right before the playoff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Beat Clemson 24-6, beat Georgia 26-23. It was not a good Alabama offense. Alabama that year averaged 37 points a game, due in large part to the fact that they scored 66 against Ole Miss, 59 against Vanderbilt, 56 against Mercer, right? They scored 24 in a season opening win over over Florida State. 
they scored 27 in a win at Texas A&M. They scored 24 in a win over LSU. They scored 14 in a loss to Auburn. And then there are two playoff games because they didn't make the SEC champs, uh, playoffs that or SEC title game that year. It was Auburn versus Georgia. Yeah. And then they scored 24 against Clemson. And uh, one of those touchdowns, if you remember correctly, was on a block. I think either a blocked punt or a fumble. It was a defensive. I think it was didn't wasn't it a Jaron Reed that scored the touchdown in that game? I have to look it up now. I think so. But you know their offense was far from a juggernaut, and I don't think they matched up great with Notre Dame that year, in my opinion. And and so uh, I feel like when I look at that team, I I just feel like that Notre Dame team, in my opinion, Sean had the best chance with what's around them, because I think they would have beat Clemson in a rematch. I do. And and here's why I say I say it. And it, let's just get to the game. We okay. know which one we're talking about. It's yeah. not Georgia. It's not the Georgia game. It's Miami. Yeah. Because I feel <laughs> after 1993, I still feel that the stretch of football they played from BC to Wake Forest was the best stretch of football I've seen from Notre Dame since 93. Most dominant. Outside, most dominant, right. Outside yeah. of maybe a stretch of about a month in 05. Maybe. Yeah. Mm. But I would still go with 17. Because the 17 team, I think, was better on defense than that 05 team. You had the best line of college football. You're, I mean, you're not just, Sean, you're not just winning games. You're killing people. You're pushing people around. Yes, you're destroy. You destroyed Michigan State on the road. Yeah, you ran for a buck eighty. This is the great. You ran for a buck eighty against Michigan State. Here's what little stat about Michigan State. Number one, Michigan State ended up that year uh, with ten wins, ranked in the top fifteen. Yeah, they had the number two rush defense in the country that year. At the end of the year, Notre Dame ran for a buck eighty, and by the second half of the game, they were down to their fourth string running back. Remember? Yeah. Tony Jones got hurt the week before against BC. Yeah. Josh Adams got hurt in the first half. Dex replaces him, has a great catch. He then gets hurt. You played most of the second half with Deion McIntosh yeah, as your running back. Who was doing and work, actually. Who was doing work. And you ran for a buck 80 against the number two rush defense in the country. Yeah. You ran for almost 400 yards against a, a, an 11 win USC team, right? That that ended up 11 and three that year. You ran for over 300 yards and a win over an NC State team that won nine games, and you blew them out 35-14. You beat USC 49-14. You beat uh, Michigan State 38-18, and they scored last and got a two-point conversion to make it 38-18. And you beat NC State 35-14, ran for over 300 yards against a team whose entire starting defensive line got drafted in the first round or higher. Not just even in the NFL, fourth round or higher. The starting middle linebacker that game was also a third-round pick who started for the Bengals this past year in the flipping Super Bowl, and you bullied that team despite them scoring off of a blocked punt. Yeah. Think about that. It was 35-14, and one of their touchdowns was on a blocked punt. Their quarterback was a fourth-round draft pick on that NC State team, and you destroyed them. And so when I look at that team, I, I, I still believe that team could have played with anybody. If they had the same confidence going into the end of the season that they had during that dominant stretch, and that was all lost during the Miami game. And it was, and, and you've talked to guys about this before, Sean, that might, that, that, I mean, I mean, I'll just let you dive into it when, when you're, when you're ready to go, Sean. I mean, it just, to me, it's, it's that team to me 
if you go be in Miami was not that good that year. Everybody looks at the ranking and all that. I mean, we're talking about a Miami team, Sean. I'm going to pull it up. Like if you remember, they were undefeated that year, but they were like barely beating people that weren't good. Uh, I'm going to pull up that team. Their turnover margin was it was ridiculous, insane. Yeah, and they still were having tough games down to the. They beat Florida State by four, Georgia Tech by one, Syracuse by eight, North Carolina by five. Yeah. Uh, you know, beat Virginia 44-28, and they pulled – that was the week after. They beat Virginia Tech 28-10 the week before. I mean, that team didn't belong in the field with Notre Dame no. that day. That day they they did, but, like, as a team. They were not a very good football team. And – and no, but, like, I mean, you can relay what guys have told you, Sean. You've had you've, – you've talked to them. Look, the team just mentally was not ready to play that game that day. We've heard the stories uh, – there was so much about the preparation of the game, so much about what they encountered when they pulled into the locker room, I mean, to the parking lot, so much about what they encountered when they got into the locker room. And you talk about the one play, pay, opportunity to EQ early. Mm-hmm. And they bang that, and Brandon hits that early. The crowd is quiet. And all of a sudden, the whole trajectory of that game changed. And it's exactly what they've been doing the weeks before. I mean, because remember, Sean, they were coming off a game against Wake Forest. They had over 700 yards of offense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say this. There was an issue where the players prior to the game during preparation felt like the coaching staff was uptight. Mm-hmm. coming into the game and in turn it got transferred to the players and the performance you saw was a team that look Brandon Winbush still to this day is like dude we're in the locker room saying man we're about to go out here kick their kick their ass mm-hmm. get back on the bus and go home like mm-hmm. they felt and they knew that team wasn't as good as them right they knew it but once you make mistakes and you start playing a little bit tighter, the crowd gets into it, and it just became an avalanche of sorts. Right. And the game, game got out of hand. You know, Ian Book comes in. He throws the pick six. Yeah. And before you know it, that's it. And that's how quickly things can go. Right. But for them, it was just all about preparation, being uptight, uh, the game plan. Like, we're doing what? They're running like reverses on short yardage with Chase Claypool. It's like you're playing right into Miami's hands like of trying just, to run east west. We just yeah. dominated North Carolina right. State. Like they they coached afraid of Miami. Yes, is what they did because Miami had a, a really good D line that year. They had and a like good you said, though, run, and they had linebackers that right. were ultra aggressive, but they really weren't good in coverage. They were freaking freshmen. Yeah. Two of their starting linebackers were freshmen. Shaq yeah. Quarterman was a freshman on that team. Yeah, yeah. The, and, and Notre Dame coached scared. Yes. I mean, they're and they're doing a lot of east-west stuff where it's like that's the la- – like you said, that's the last thing you want to be doing against that Miami – because the one thing Miami could do, they could run. They could run. And 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 they panicked. When yeah. Brandon missed a couple early throws, I think that they panicked. And Instead they went away from what got in there. Who, okay, right. we're going to punch her in your mouth. It was, right. we, missed, we missed the big throws. Now we come back. We reestablish the line of scrimmage. We punch her in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And you know, wear you down. Like we mm-hmm. wore every other team down on our schedule. It's yeah. not like they hadn't faced 
a viable defensive front before. Right. Exactly. Like we said, like two weeks before they pushed around right. Michigan State. I mean, um, uh, NC Carolina. State, they, yeah. they ran for a buck 80 against the number two rush defense in the country. That remember Michigan State had Kenny Willekes. They had a really mm-hmm. good D line that year. Yeah. Um, who, who's the other team that there was another team they played at uh, US, uh, Boston College had Zach Allen and Harold Landry. Yeah. They ran for over five bills. Yeah. That's a second and a third round draft pick against yeah. Boston Cox. And they ran for yeah. over 500 yards. You know, Brandon like a heck of a day that day, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but Sean, if you take away Brandon Wimbush rushed for over 200 yards that day, if you take away his 200 yards, they still went for over 300 yards in that game. Yeah. The, 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 the point is you win that game. Yeah. Back to kind of why it was a missed opportunity. If you win that game, there's no way that team loses to Stanford. None. No. Because no. they would have been much more mentally prepared for that game, too. I mean, they lost by 18. They were winning in the fourth quarter. They had a lead in the fourth quarter and just choked it away. And Brandon never recovered from the Miami game, ever. No. Even against Michigan, to a degree, he ne- he never really recovered from that game, in my opinion. And and I think part of it was they benched him so quickly. I mean, he's coming off the best game of his career. I know he had a, he hurt his hand and all. He's coming off the best game of his career. We threw for 280 yards, rushed for over 100 yards, and only played three quarters of football. Yeah. And, and leads the offense over 700 yards, and they benched him in the first half. And then when you put Ian in, and then Ian throws a pick six, number one, you're putting Ian in a spot you shouldn't have put Ian into. Tough spot. Right? Tough that was unfair to Ian. I'm not even going to blame Ian on that one. Yeah. Like You yeah. put him into a tough spot you shouldn't have put him into. A rabid crowd, a defense that was just looking to force a turnover, and he throws a pick six. And at that point in time, game was over. I mean, you yeah. just weren't coming back from that because that team was so shook. Notre Dame was so shook. And that's the thing that got me, Sean, is they the team we had seen just didn't show up that day. No. If they would have, they win. And if they win that one, they they beat, you know, they they beat Miami. They would have, uh, in my opinion, they would have beat Stanford, yeah. I should say. Yeah. So then it gets into let's let's you know we're going to nineteen. Yeah, no, no. I mean, to me, like to me, the 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 point of that is because you know when you get back down to it, I I point again to the fact that you know does what happens that year if things go differently, uh-huh. right? So number one, Bama Bama's not in the playoff. That knock, that knocks Bam out. If Notre Dame's in, that knocks Bam out, right? No, I didn't think about that. I yeah, because Bama didn't play in the SEC title game that year. Bama lost right. the last game of the season to Auburn, twenty six fourteen. Bama's out. All right. Then the question is: is where's Notre Dame seated? Two or three, and then who is the other? Who's the team that they play? Right. Right. Because because Clemson that year was the one seed. So one of two things would have happened. They would have put so like here's the interesting thing. They had they had Oklahoma as the two seed, and and Georgia as the three seed. So I don't know if they would have had Notre Dame like because you know how the committee will. The one thing that I don't love about the committee is I think they've always they always get the right four. I think they don't always get the four in order that you need them to get into. Right. So do they do they do they have Notre Dame as the two or three and against Oklahoma and then Georgia behind them? You know, do, would they have bumped Oklahoma up to one and dropped Syracuse down to two? 
against, you know, I mean, there's so many different scenarios, but Notre Dame basically would have had either Clemson or Oklahoma most likely in the first round because they weren't going to have a rematch of Notre Dame and Georgia in the first round. No. And so, you know, if it's Oklahoma, that's probably the team I would have been most concerned about because they had a very high-octane offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was probably the worst matchup for Notre Dame in that playoff. But if they'd have got Clemson in the first round, they'd have have done to Clemson what Bama did because that was not a good Clemson team. not a good Clemson team, no. No. Quarterbacking issues. Yeah. Oh yeah, <clears throat> and they lost to a four and eight Syracuse team. Yeah, that was not that was not a good. I would like to have seen what Notre Dame could what Notre Dame could have done in the playoff that year. Because mm-hmm. again, a rematch against Georgia, I think works out really well for Notre Dame. I do. Whether that's in the cha- championship game, because let's say that Notre Dame gets Clemson in the opener, I, they, they beat that Clemson team. I'm sorry, I don't care what anybody says They're, they beat Kelly Bryant. That had been the third or fourth best team they played all year in my opinion, that Clemson team. I still don't know how they got the number one seed, but whatever. And then Oklahoma and Georgia play. Okay, that plays out the kind of way it did. And then you you, you have a Notre Dame-Georgia rematch. I'll yeah. take that. Or yeah. potentially they play Oklahoma and, and all that. So the point is that's a playoff team, and I think a team that had a chance. To, like the 18 team, to me, you know, if they played out of their minds, and we'll get to 18, but like they weren't the best team that year. No, they they would have had they would have had to have some things kind of go their way. Same with the twenty twenty team, twenty fifteen and twenty seventeen was different because they had rosters that I thought could go toe to toe with anybody that year. Yep, and that's that's the frustrating thing. And that seventeen team especially. That's when you can get into certain things. Well, someone might say, you know, a couple of plays go the other way in the eighteen game, mm -hmm. and you don't lose. You know, Julian Love. Now, right. you know, freshman quarterback, we get him into the fourth quarter. Sure. Close game. Maybe you have a shot. Maybe right. you have right. a shot. But they were better yeah. than you. I mean, top to bottom, yeah. Clemson had yeah. a better team than Notre Dame yeah. that, that yeah. game. In, in, in 2017, Miami did not. Clemson did not. Like, I don't think I don't think Georgia did, you know, but that's debatable. I mean, Georgia did beat Notre Dame, but I, I would always argue that was the second game under Elko and Lee and Bayless. I mean, Notre Dame was a different team yeah. a month into the season than they were in the second game of the year and yeah. played like garbage in that game and still almost beat Georgia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we're going to be honest about it. I mean, just look at the players they had on the field. Yeah. Especially at the skill position. Yeah, flipping Freddie Canteen and Freddie Cameron Smith. You break. You got EQ and – and uh, Clay Chase yeah. on the sideline. Because Chase, I mean, look at some of the plays Chase made once they put well, they were they fo- put, put him in the lineup. Yeah. And that back shoulder grab against Michigan State coming out of the end zone, you know what I mean? Like had a, like nine catches for a buck 80 against Wake Forest and still let a ball hit him in the freaking face and right. he didn't catch. You know what I mean? And right. he added an element that, I'm sorry, you, you were trying to go to Chris Fink in the fourth quarter on third and 10 instead of, Chase Claypool, and you know, we kind of saw what happened, but yeah, and 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 what we also forget is Notre Dame didn't have Kevin Stefferson against Georgia, he was oh, suspended, he, he came in late, that's yet. right. And when they added him against USC, that was a whole different offense, yeah, whole different offense. So, yeah, man, I just I go back to I go back to that maybe being. Because 15 was the best team, but I still feel like the coaching would have cost them a championship. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they could have beat Bama with Brian Van Gorder trying to stop that Bama offense. That was a pretty good Bama offense. 
17 team, you can't say that. They had Elko, they had Harry, they had Chip, they had Co- Coach Bayless. I mean, they that was a team that you, you can't blame that one necessarily on the coaching, although they had some terrible coaching decisions early, but th- they yeah. corrected those decisions as the year went on. They didn't keep trying to go with Freddie Cantina Camp Smith, partly because those guys got hurt, but you know, they did have Stefferson. They did get Stefferson back. They did put Chase into the lineup. And when they did, that was a whole different football team. Whole different football team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How do you feel about that 19 Georgia game? That's another one for me that's on the list. Now, see, are you because, of course, look, last possession, chance to win. Missed opportunity on the road. Definitely a chance to improve the national outlook right. on the program. Was that game more about Notre Dame or was that game more about Georgia? That, that I think that's the question. That I think it's about Notre ask. Dame. Okay. Th- that's the frustrating thing for me, Sean, is is a lot of these games, it's not like Notre Dame. Like, like here's here's what I always try to avoid. I try to avoid those games like like 18 against Clemson. Like that would be the missed opportunity. Because here's what I will say: if they beat a, if they beat Clemson in eighteen, they'd have beat Bama for the title. Not a doubt in my mind. That was not, that was not a great Bama team. But I still feel like Clemson was the better team. You just needed a couple things. You know, you needed that fumbled punt. You know, to to, to, to to go your way. You needed yeah. Ian to bang that post route to Miles Boykin instead of fumbling, and then Clemson score. I mean, you needed to play the perfect game to beat Clemson. I don't know if Julian gets hurt doesn't get hurt. I don't know if they still beat them. I still don't think they had the quarterback to make those plays. I mean, Ian needed to make those plays, but there were some breaks that went Clemson's way. You know, Chase dropping a third and 10 that hit him right in the hands early in the game. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that, that didn't go their way. I don't know if they could have beat Clemson that year. Right. I think it should have been a much more competitive game. It should have been a close game, but you know, maybe at the end of the game, Trevor, you know, like you said about freshman quarterback, we're not just talking about a fresh, this isn't Jake Fromm. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is one of the best freshman quarterbacks we've ever seen. Poise and all that. Maybe he does lead them down on a touchdown drive. But I would have, but even then, that changes the narrative about Notre Dame. Because, man, they went toe to toe with the champs who blew out Bama the next week and Notre Dame took them down to the wire. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I've talked to a lot of coaches and, and Power Five coaches that know people at Clemson. I've said this a thousand times. Clemson felt, I, I've said I know that some, I have a buddy of mine who knows a lot of coaches that were on the staff. They said when we beat Notre Dame, we knew we were going to be national champs again because we were not worried about Bama. We were much more worried about Notre Dame because Notre Dame's defense was legit that year, right. and Bama's sucked for Bama for Bama standards. Right. 
you know, so, so that was kind of the, you know, that was kind of the thing, but, but Notre Dame wasn't better than Clemson. They just were good enough to where if they could have caught a couple breaks, then they, they could have won the upset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 19 is a little bit of a different story because in 19, I, I look at it and I say, they, they did, they, they should have beat Georgia. They had the better team than Georgia. They just, I talked to a coach at Notre Dame after that game and he said, look, uh, and he's not at Notre Dame anymore, but I talked to him after the year and I was like, what happened there? He's like, man, look, when we lined up before we got on the field, he goes, I looked in the eyes of those kids and I just, I didn't see it. I didn't see it because it goes back to what they weren't prepared. Yeah. I mean, Brian Kelly admitting after the game that they weren't prepared, they weren't prepared to have to go to the silent cadence. You're playing at Georgia. It's two top 10 caliber teams. Why Why are you not prepared for the freaking silent count yeah. against Georgia? Yeah. They were woefully unprepared for that game and still had the ball at, at the 48 yard line with two minutes left. And you choked it away. I mean, you just, you had the lead a big chunk of the game. I mean, I, I, if I remember correctly, they led more in that game than they trailed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. to me, that's yeah. different. When you beat, like, my, Miami's different. You know, like, like Clemson 15 is like, that was a great team that you could have beat, should have beat, but that was that was a, a really good team. Stanford, same way. With Miami, they were not on your level. Yeah. Miami was not on their level. And yeah. with all due respect to Georgia that year, they were not on Notre Dame's level. They weren't. They had great players, but Notre Dame had great players. And that particular Georgia team, we have to remember, I was well, they had two first round picks on that team. No, they didn't. Because Eric Stokes got hurt, or Tyson Campbell didn't play, and Eric Stokes right. got hurt on the first drive of the game. Football. Yeah. So, you know, it just was a that was to me might might be second to me behind Miami for a missed opportunity that would have changed the narrative about if you go on the road. And you beat a, a Georgia football team that, what, two years prior yeah. was national national runners up, been you know landed top three recruiting classes and all that. You beat that football team on the road when you're a pretty heavy underdog. That changes the narrative for Notre Dame in a big big way, big big way. And you talk about a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. You know. And that was the Georgia team that ended up going 12 and 2 that year. Yeah. They got blown out by LSU and they lost at home to Syracuse. This is who else they beat. They beat they beat Notre Dame 23-17. They they beat Kentucky 21-0, Florida 24-17, Missouri 27-0, Auburn 21-14, Texas A&M 19-13. Was not a great Georgia team. No. Was not. No. And you know, it's a missed opportunity. A road win over an SEC team, Sean. I mean, <sighs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Would, would you categorize the ACC championship in 20? Oh, big time. Missed opportunity. You, you've said this a, a bunch, Sean. You're, you should have been up 17 nothing in the first quarter. Absolutely. Of that game. Absolutely. Should have been 17 nothing. At the very least, it should have been 13 nothing yeah. before Clemson got on the board. Yep. Yeah, it's a missed opportunity because, again, a lot of this is about perception. And perception matters because perception impacts, do I want to coach at Notre Dame? Do I want to play at Notre Dame? 
you know, it impacts all those kind of things. Do I want to stay at Notre Dame? Yeah. And when you when you do those things and miss those opportunities, it's it's just it, you add them to get to me. You add them together, and it's just if you just take half of the games we've talked about, the narrative about Notre Dame is so different now. And people say, well, narrative doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. It does for 17-year-olds that you're trying to convince to not to, to not go to Georgia and come here. You know, you talk about it, the 15 Clemson game. If Notre Dame beats Clemson in a rematch and beats Clemson in 15, something they should have done, then Notre Dame's looking at this. And maybe even, you know, 17. Like, there's a chance that if Notre Dame and Clemson play in the playoff in 17, there's no doubt in my mind that Notre Dame wins that game. They're, yeah. they're not getting beat by Kelly Bryant. Deshaun yeah. Watson barely beat them. They're not losing to Kelly Bryant. Now, all of a sudden, you you beat Clemson in 17, if that would have played out that way. You beat him in the regular season in 20. And then you should have beat him in the championship game, if we're being honest. Or at least it should have been a toe-to-toe, down-to-the-wire battle. The narrative, And then you beat Georgia in 2019, a team you were better than, and you just handed them that game. What is the perception of Notre Dame right now? even if everything else p- plays out the same way and, you know, Kelly leaves and Freeman's here and all that other kind of stuff, you know, like what is the perception of Notre Dame if they have those wins? It's it way different. Takes, I'll be honest. It only takes one. It only takes one big win to change the trajectory and impact the next big game and the following big game. And right. three opportunities on this schedule this year. You know, because most people are going to still going to count that USC is a big game. Sure. They're still going to count that as a big game. Clemson is a big game. Ohio State is a big game. You have three opportunities. You have to change the narrative. You have to change the trajectory. Right. But, and and we'll talk about that next week. But here's the, here's the thing, Sean, this show is irrelevant. If not for those games, because there is no narrative to change. Yes. That's the point. That's the point. There's and no narrative to change. We can go back. You can talk about the 2005 game. You can talk about the 06 Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. You can talk about all the games we just talked about. Notre Dame has probably gone into maybe one big game where they didn't have the talent to win. Talent hasn't been an issue. Which game would you say that is? I, I, I know the opponent, but I'm curious which year it is. I don't think they have the talent to beat Alabama in 12. I just don't. I just don't. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Um, well, styles make fights. Right. I don't think they had the style to beat Alabama because you weren't about to stand up and out physical Bama. That yeah. was what Notre Dame did to everybody else. But, but I felt, let me, let me, that. let me ask you this question. And the guys they had on the outside, mm-hmm. they had Amari Cooper. Sure. They, they had some dudes on the outside. Sure. So that was a different, that wasn't like going to Norman, Oklahoma and, and, and out physical in it. That's sure. I, Cause we said but they did out physical. Stanford that year. That was the big, big win. But even Bama was just was just different. Sure. Anyone they had saw and the way they had won games 
Let me can I ask you a question, Sean? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you see to me, or else I'll make a statement. You tell me if you agree, if you disagree. Tell me why I'm wrong here. I view the the Alabama 2012 game. If Notre Dame is going in there with the right mindset, I view that game a lot like the 2018 Clemson game. If Notre Dame plays their game, they might still lose, but a break here, a break there. We're like if Notre Dame plays their game, we're yeah. we're talking a lot more about that fumble that that got overturned that should not have got overturned as being an impactful play. Absolutely. We're talking a lot more about Tyler Tyler Eifert being called out of bounds when it looked to me like he was in bounds. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter because they, they they didn't belong in the field that day. Those plays, okay, maybe it's forty two to twenty one right. if they those. But if Notre Dame plays the way they played against Stanford and Oklahoma, you know maybe that twenty seventeen to seventeen game that it would have been, we're talking differently if a couple of those things go their way. Yeah. It's like the Clemson game. Because I, I would argue there's three games where Notre Dame just flat out did not have a, 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 a – you know, just wasn't as good as the other team. One, much more narrow, that's Clemson 2018. It's To me, it's the two Bama games. Because I think oh, 2020 oh, was that yeah, way as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what? I almost didn't even count those games. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I... <laughs> of course. Yes, yes. Yes, 2020 Alabama, no. It wasn't even that, – that Bama team might be offensively top five all time. Offensively, they we, – we can get into that on another show, but I agree with you. I, I, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. The 2018 Clemson game, I can see that, but I can mm-hmm. see that being the same way as the 2012 game if but the same team has showed up. Let's go back to the 2020 ACC title game, Sean, because I think that's the game to me that that is the bigger missed opportunity from that game. And here's why. You have said often that you think Notre Dame should have won that game. Yes. I agree. I, I don't think that was a very good Clemson team. And Ohio State showed that. To me, however, I would have really liked to have played Ohio State in 2020. I would have really liked to have played Ohio State in 2020. I think that would have – because because here's the thing. Notre Dame doesn't – if Notre Dame beats Clemson, they don't play Alabama in the opening round. They're playing Notre Dame. I mean, they're, they're playing um, – Ohio State. They're playing Ohio State because Bama still would have been the one seed because Bama was undefeated that year, correct? Yes, they were. They were. They were twelve and zero going or eleven and zero going to the playoff. So they no. would have been. They would have still been the one seed. Notre Dame oh. would have been the probably the Notre Dame would have been the two seed because they'd have been undefeated and they and beat Clemson twice and Clemson's out of the playoffs. So I would have liked right. to. I don't think that was a very good Clemson North Ohio State team. I don't uh, see once again. If you look at the performance that they came off of in the Big Ten championship game, mm-hmm. I understand why you might think. Well, it's not just that. It's how they played against Penn State that year. It's yeah, how yeah. they played against Indiana that year. Yeah. You know, it's how they looked for the first half of the game against Nebraska and the fact that they were only six games in going into the postseason. Well, they had right. six games under their and belt. They started, they started late. Let's remember right, that exactly. Later than exactly. They didn't look good in a lot of those games. 
But boy, when they lined up against Clemson in that semifinal right. game, and the offensive weapons that they had, remember, right. Jameson mm-hmm. Williams was the third wide receiver on sure. the third, fourth wide receiver sure. on the team. So, and he caught a touchdown in the semifinals. But they Clemson. had the same problem in 2020 that they had last year. Yeah. And that is they were not good in the trenches. And the one thing you and I have said about Clemson in 2020, they were not the same. They were not the same team on defense yeah. that they that they are now and that they were in the past. Right. Because, you know, Breezy and Murphy were freshmen. Yeah, Tyler freshmen. Davis was banged up all year. Yeah. You know, he missed the first Notre Dame game. He was never the same player. Their secondary was very mediocre, which is why we thought Notre Dame could light them up. And, you know, Ian Book hung 47 on them. And, yeah, yeah. he had overtime and all that. But no, he also fumbled a ball going in. You know, I mean, there was a lot of – Notre Dame tried to give Clemson that game and still beat Clemson, right. you know, without Trevor. I, you know, I just I look at that team and I say that was not a very good. And, and you and I have said this for years. Trevor Lawrence masked a lot of problems on that Clemson football roster. Yeah, the year that year and the year before, absolutely. Right. And to me, I just feel like that was a bad matchup, bad matchup for Clemson. Because their secondary was garbage, and as you mentioned, that was – I mean, Alabama didn't look nearly as good against Notre Dame as Clemson looked – or Ohio State looked against Clemson. Throwing the football, right? Part of the reason was is Alabama went away from throwing the ball down the field because they were having a hard time protecting the quarterback. Right. If you're – so they just said, forget it. Notre Dame doesn't have the guys in space. That's not really Ohio State's offense. Quite, that's not quite the same. And Ohio State's offensive line wasn't as good as Alabama's offensive line. Yeah. So I'm not saying Notre Dame would have beat Ohio State, but I would have really liked to see that game get played. Yeah. Because yeah. they weren't going to beat Alabama. No. And with and all due respect to Justin Field, he's not Mac Jones. Yeah. It's he wasn't that a year. matter of Notre Dame being a because that was a big play. That was part of the mm-hmm. problem. It was mm-hmm. feast of famine. For that Ryan Day offense, either mm-hmm. they were creating big plays down the field, or you know running the ball down the throat. But and you they, you need time to to do that, and, and that was the issue against Northwestern. Yeah, but they were able to do that uh, against Clemson. Right, and they were getting big plays all over the place, which mm-hmm. was like you said, you could have expected it if you go back and look at the first Notre Dame game. You know, mm-hmm. Notre Dame popped. Yeah, I mean, big plays they couldn't cover Javon McKinley down the yeah. field. Yeah, yeah. Forget yeah. Garrett Wilson, and yeah. <laughs> you know, Jameson yeah. Williams and Chris Olave. Yeah, you couldn't cover Javon McKinley, Javon down, McKinley the field. down the field. So right. Yeah. So I can see that, and, and the reason I said that is because you know, just recently watching big games, going all the way back to like I said, the two thousand five Ohio State game. You know, it's eight minutes left in the third quarter. Notre Dame's up 2014 receiving a punt, mm-hmm. you know, and then the score ends up being like 45 or 26 or something like that. They were up 2014, like in control of the game. And mm-hmm. like you, the other day we were talking, you're like, yo, Randy Kinder, like Randy Kinder right. was running the ball down their throat for three right. quarters. And we're talking about a defense with Luke Fickle, Sean Springs, um, it was a it was a really good defense mm-hmm. at Ohio State, 
And this is 95 Notre Dame. This is like Lou's back end. Mm-hmm. Like that team wasn't like it was Ron Paulus, Randy Kinder. I don't I, I don't even think it was one of Lou's best offensive lines, but they came in and pushed Ohio State around mm-hmm. and just hit them in the mouth and made them play. And it took two turnovers late in that game to really get Ohio State and that offense going. You know, they had Eddie George, Buster Stanley, Terry Glenn, Bobby Horn, Jet, you know, Dudley at tight end. There was a lot of talent, you know. So look, at some point, what do they say? You create your own luck mm-hmm. in sports, you know, and at some point, uh, by play, Notre Dame's going to have to create opportunities in games mm-hmm. where they get the bounces or they get the ball to bounce their way. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that happens September 3rd because mm-hmm. that's a game where you, you, yeah. you're going to have to have one or two plays that go your way. You know, a big turnover here, a big turnover there, a tip ball that doesn't mm-hmm. fall into their hands and you get another opportunity uh, I don't care if it's a, a good spot on a short <laughs> short yardage play. You're, you're going to have to get the breaks to win mm-hmm. a game like this, especially on the right. road. It won't be Notre Dame walks in there inferior from right. a standpoint. Right. It won't be the Notre Dame walks in there scared. Like Notre right. Dame, look, Notre Dame walked into Georgia ready to play. Like right. no one's scared. They were ready to play emotionally. They weren't ready to. Pre- they weren't prepared to play the fundamental football. I mean, you had all the false starts, the, those mistakes. They weren't prepared for that. And again, I think that that goes down to Sean back to what you said earlier. And this is partly why. Actually, you know what? Let's transition to the next topic of conversation because I think this this ties into the next one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.